I just wanted to share with you a couple of uh, some some insight into some um, pastor that I know. And the Lord gave him uh, some visions here recently in regards to for the church that's find itself in the will of God. These are the type of things that were going to happen. Uh, one, he said, sounds from heaven deposited into psalmists and minstrels. God has marked for the end time revival. I know that's here. How many know they play sounds here? And I really hated to stop that before I had to come up here and pray because that y'all and they just getting stronger and stronger. Okay. And these psalmists and minstrels have a purity within a purity. They will be developed in character and there will be so much purity on them that charlatans won't even know how to approach them. They cannot be bought. The sound they carry comes out of the chambers of God's personal music library. He said, then I saw this would be now this one would be someone like me. Um, he said, I saw a company of knights seated at a round table in gold and silver armor. These men and women were hand selected by the Lord. I asked the Lord, who were they? And he said, these are the fathers who will restore and birth forth my manifested sons of glory. It was interesting, he said, is that there were women at the table because God even considered the women at the table fathers. That gets over into deeper things where it's the it's the principle of fatherhood. The same way that you can have a kid that grows, comes from a two-family background and end up being a drug dealer. And the same way you can have a single mother who had to take upon the role of the mother and the father and was able to raise her son correctly and he ends up being a businessman. You understand what I'm saying? No politician. You know, one of the largest churches in California, um, that gentleman, he was born, he was a product of rape. He was born because his mother was raped, and instead of getting ready to baby, she kept the baby, and he became a pastor of a large church in California. Amen. His name is Philip Goudeau. And so, uh, so um, and each of these knights were given separate cages, like briefcases that stood seven feet tall on wheels. In these cases were swords designed and fitted to the hands of future sons who would be knighted under their tutelage, producing an image of Jesus Christ our Lord. Third one, I saw documents that were confiscated from the vaults of hell. Stacks and stacks of documents that revealed the secrets of the operations within the enemy's camp. They were placed in the wombs of intercessors and scribes by the Lord's courier angels. Okay, so to help you understand this, uh, every we're in a, a complete war. You can't see it, but you see the effects of it. And the war is nonstop. It's the greatest war you've ever seen. You get a glimpse of it in Daniel chapter 10, where an angel said, I have to fight through our army for 21 days just to get you a message. He said, we bring this army down to the ground so much. He said, another army is coming to help that army fight against two angels. So it's just constant nonstop. If the Lord ever shows it to you, you'll freak out. That's why he won't show it to you. It's the most insane thing that you've ever seen. But, but how many know, before you go to war, you have plans. You have plans on how you're going to attack the enemy. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And so um, every attack against a human, against a child, against a group, against a marriage, against a business, against a church, it all starts with a blueprint. And so what will happen is that angels will go based on a certain amount of prayer, like praying. That's why praying in tongues is so important. They will then go and they will actually break into hell or break into the satanic kingdom because they got a leg of right to do it. And they'll just snatch all of the documents. And then, and this is going to sound crazy, they'll come and then they'll put it on the inside of you. 
Now, if they put it on the inside of you, all of a sudden you'll feel a burden to pray for somebody. You don't know why. You'll feel a burden to pray for the nation. You'll feel a burden to pray for a senator or a president or a pastor or your grandmother. You're just, just sometimes you have a, you, any of you ever had a burden to pray for somebody that was in a different country? And you don't even know why. Because the Lord is all the same. He said, y'all divided yourselves. And so it's, it's giving you an assignment. I'm going to place this blueprint of hell on the inside of you. And as you pray in tongues, you will pray um, a second blueprint that will become created to destroy that blueprint. At Yonggi Cho's church in South Korea, they have these prayer grottoes. They, they, it's a literal mountain. I never forget when we went there and we stepped, it's 24 hours prayer, seven days a week. Man, we stepped off that bus and it was like, it felt like you stepped into a swimming pool. It's everybody, it felt like you were walking in slow motion because it just never stops. And they built all of these little um, closets in the side of the mountain. And um, almost the size of that thing. And it's only tall enough or big enough for you to kneel or sit. And they have teams of people that all they do is take prayer requests from around the world. They give the prayer requests. They go in there. They, you go in. This thing is embedded in the mountain. You close the door behind you and you put your shoes in front of it to let people know you're there. Look like a little small apartment building embedded inside a mountain. And they just sit there and they'll pray. They just pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in another blueprint to destroy this one. And when they get a witness that is done, they then set it aside. Give me the next one. Now, this is what we're already doing on the prayer call. And so that's, that's the, they, we are the remote controllers of this invisible war. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't want to get too deep on that, but you know, I'm just trying to give y'all, you know, I'm always teaching. Even when I'm not teaching, I'm teaching. I saw the enemy sending out his best detectives to relocate these files, but he could not find them because these secrets had been hidden on the inside of those who were hidden in Christ. <laughs> you in Christ, you can't find me, dude. These secrets were then exposed to the remnant warriors as simultaneous attacks and were unleashed on the enemy's camp, bringing a state of confusion and mayhem. I saw compartments in hell being unlocked that contained bridge pieces stolen from kingdom assignments, contracts to land, and body parts concerning people's healings, inheritance, deeds, etc. You know, the Bible talks about how Satan is a thief. Thief, 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 thief. Uh, there were certain things that you can't figure out why they haven't worked yet. Because everything that's working in the natural had its start in the invisible. So if Satan stole from the invisible, then the natural can't come forth. And that's why the Bible says praying in tongues is so mysterious. You can't understand that type of stuff. Right? So, and then the last one was, he said, repentance will match the level of love that will grow cold, says the Lord. So the degree that the world goes cold will be the degree that the called ones will get hot. For he wishes that no man perish, but when it comes to his people, let your, this is very important, let your focus be on the broken of heart and not the hardened of heart. Because of the drama that's going on, too much of the church is focused on fighting the crazy people. And sometimes just, just ignore these fools. You know what I'm saying? They're going to just be running their mouth. And some of them are own brothers and sisters. They're just running their mouth and running their mouth. And, and I know I got a couple of friends that they spend all day on social media just attacking, attacking, attacking. I ain't got time for all that. Okay? While you're out there attacking, we out here driving to another destination. Okay? So I just wanted to share those things with you in regards to 
you know, heaven is just revealing a lot of things. And 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.8 says, All these are the beginning of sorrows. So the time that we're living in, the Bible calls them the time of the perilous and the beginning of sorrows. Okay, now, I started to go down this direction, but it just wasn't working. It was like I was kind of bumping into a, a wall. I think it's because it's what I wanted to share. How <laughs> I many you know um, if I want to share it, it still may be good, but it's not good enough if that's not what the Lord wanted to share. It's not about serving food. It's about serving the right type of food. And it's a lot of food that's being preached, but it's not the food and the diet that you need in order to be victorious in these days. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, it becomes difficult sometimes. You want to preach this. This makes sense. Uh, no, not to us. We want you to preach that. Okay. And so, but, and so, because I, I wanted to share with is that in the scripture when it says these are the beginning of sorrows, the, the time that we're in planet earth is now past that. Okay. There are three stages to this. One was called the beginning of sorrows. He said, when you see the, because the disciples ask him, when you read Matthew 24, pay attention to it. I'll give you a hint. Matthew 24. They said, Lord, when shall these things be? Number one. And the sign of your coming, number two, and the end of the world, number three. So when you read Matthew 24, it's the Lord answering their three questions in those three stages. And that's when he said, well, first of all, what's going on right now is a lot of people are coming on the scene to create false religions, boom, boom, boom. And he goes through all of these things that would happen in the planet. He said wars and rumors of wars. People are like, oh, that's happened in the last 200 years. No, that's happened in the last 2000. Okay, wars and rumors of wars. And then he says, but these are the beginning of sorrows. Then you will move over into this time frame, which is actually we are now moving towards the end of the second time frame. Okay. And you're moving over. Now, we're getting ready. Now, we don't know exactly when, but now moving over into the time frame while, by which God said, if I don't shorten that third time frame, not even a leaf would be living on this planet. Okay. But again, <laughs> for your first time visitor, that means I don't plan on being there. I plan on watching all of this foolishness with my special heavenly binoculars from planet heaven in my mansion. Amen. Okay. So... You know, this is the month of holiness, and I'm going to wrap it up with a big bang this weekend. But I just wanted to encourage you tonight because, you know, you have three different, I don't know, you have several different types of people. You have those that they're going to make excuses until the day they die. You can't tell them anything because they know everything. You can't tell them anything because they just got more excuses than a person in jail. Okay. Then you have those that they kind of, they receive the chastisement, but their pride causes them to kind of buck up against it, you know, and compromise and make excuses. And then you have those that are like me, kill me, Jesus, because I know that anything that the Lord is telling me, let me tell you something. There is not one single thing that God will ever say to you, whether he speaks it to you, preaches it to you, gives you a dream, a vision, or you read it in a word. There is not one single thing that God will say to you, whether it's a blessing or whether it's a rebuke, whether it's chastisement or whether it's prosperity, whether it's promotion or he tells you to pull back. It's not one single thing that God will say to you that does not have profit behind it. But when you are programmed, see, we are programmed to receive profit based on things that we want to hear. 
And the kingdom of God is like, uh uh uh. We understand that what prevents your prosperity is all of the other stuff that's choking it. So we're going to talk about all of the stuff that you're doing that's choking your prosperity. And as you get rid of that, the prosperity is designed to just move on its own. When we, when we fight against that, I don't got a big mouth. But if we interview your family members, they all say you got a big mouth. That's because there's something wrong with them. Oh, okay. Okay, so, so you, know, it's, you know what's so funny? Do you know that when it comes to this holiness thing, the whole thing is wrapped up in one scripture? Do what he says. That should be the only scripture in the Bible. When it comes to this, do what I say. No, they got to have 15 million scriptures in there with all these deep revelations and, 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 and what's the Greek word for holiness? Holy. What's the, what's the Hebrew word for living right? Living right. I mean, we just, they got to have all of this deep stuff. And, and when Jesus just put it in one statement, he said, why do you say you love me and just simply don't do what I say? And we don't like to hear that because we like to convince ourselves that we really do love God. No, you like him. You like him because he saved you. You like him because he's protected you. you. You like him because he bailed you out when you didn't have the money for your light bill or your cable bill. You like him, you know, because maybe he healed you and blessed you with his Holy Spirit. You like him, okay? But you don't really love him. When you love him, you simply, that's what you just said. We know the difference between those who like us and love us. The ones who love us will do everything we say and will ask for more without us asking them first, okay? So the Lord knows you're crazy. It's just good. It's, it's a learning. Hey, let me tell you something. How many of you are glad that God is not like men? Yes. God was like a man. Man, we would be hit to the highest of hitivity. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know I'd be hit. And I guess I might just be talking tonight because I'm, on, I'm, I'm like Samson. My hair is growing back. I have to be honest with y'all because I don't know what I'm doing. It took a... I did not know how much it took out of me to create this. And you know what I mean by create this. What are you talking about me? <laughs> well, the amount of intestinal fortitude, the amount of spiritual energy and the amount of force that it takes for a leaf to go in the opposite direction of the wind in the middle of a tornado. And so I was drained and didn't know it because I was pulling the whole thing at first. And the only thing to save me is because of that one thing I flipped. I taught other men to try to be greater than me. So I have other men that are now pulling the ship, which enables me now to try to build myself back up. Because in order for this thing to, uh, in order, yeah, people don't understand what it means to create something that can kill Satan. People don't understand what that means. This is not religious. And people don't understand when, when, when hell says we can't get you. I'm trying to help you understand when Satan says, is there a way? No, we ain't found a way. We, this one is this one is different. Okay, we had three demons tell us. The, the last one said, "He said your slogan is true." He said your results really are different because we can't do nothing with this. They just get mad now. You know, it don't mean it's not going to try, and it don't mean that, that something couldn't change in the future if we don't carry ourselves correctly. You understand what I'm saying? When you hear them say things like that, that's a glimpse into what you can't see. And I didn't realize how much energy that it took out of me. You know, because I found myself getting to thing to where it was seven years later. And all of a sudden now I couldn't figure out why I was so tired. 
you know, and partly it's my fault. You know, just, you know, you can't be worn on this level and you're not in the praying in the world like the way you're supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? My 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 sin is not praying and not being in the word. You know, and how many know we still struggle with that? But you get to a point, you all, uh, in the war where you can no longer struggle with that. You got to stay on top of it. Okay, so so there are things coming that if you are not clean, it's really simple. The man died for you. Why can't you live for him? Why do we got to keep making excuses? And then some people got the nerve to make an excuse and have an attitude. You know what I'm saying? The Lord tells you, stop doing this so that I can bless you. And guess what you're going to be doing? For the next 30 years. And God will wait on you for 50. You understand what I'm saying? He wait on you for a long time. Because he's patient like that. But he ain't going to bless you before that time. Because if he blesses you before you get your act together, you'll never get your act together. So, you know, I got a one point that's going to be really, really good. So I'll just do some quotes on holiness. Y'all ready? I know y'all can take your pictures out and take a graph. I should have done them one by one, but I just put them all together. Honor is rooted in righteousness. Very important. If you want God to honor you, live right. God says, I will exalt those that are humble. Do you know, everybody tries to get deep when it comes to humility. Do you know what the simple definition of humility is? Do what Jesus said to do in every single area of your life. If you don't, it means you're operating in pride because you think you can do something different than what the Lord told you. And that's with everything. Do you know if if you messed up really, really big and the Lord says, I will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you won't receive the Lord's forgiveness. That's the highest level of pride. Because now you say, well, I know you paid for my forgiveness. Watch this. Heavenly Father, you think I should be forgiven, but I don't think I should be forgiven. I want to hold on to this for a while so I can feel religious and suffer. Sin is destructive. Holiness is constructive. Continuing in sin is a destroyer of destiny. Traveling down the freeway, the moment you get over to sin, it's like your car breaking down. You pull on the side of the road and then get mad at the other people flying past you. When you continue in sin, your future is damned. You will never have God's approval doing things his power was created to destroy. When you refuse to be corrected, you become a convict in the kingdom of God. Every sin that is repented of is counted. I'm sorry. Every sin that is not repented of, that's what it should say. Every sin that is not repented of is counted against and recorded against your name in heaven. If you still accommodate sin after hearing all of this word, affliction will come upon you because if God cannot get you to stop with words, he will use his rod or wrath. And then John 15, 14 says, you are my friends if you do what I tell you to do. There's something crazy. You know what's funny is? Most of us did what our crazy friends told us to do. Hey, 
I know we're 17, but let's go to this club for 21 and over. Okay. <laughs> you know that our grandmama going to kill us if we smoke this ripple, drink this ripple. But but let's do it anyway. Matter of fact, we got we to gotta show our ID, so let's steal it. Okay. Uh, you at the club. Hey, I know we don't know them guys, but let's go with them. Okay. <laughs> oh, I can keep on going, but I don't have time to waste because you know that you're somewhere in this library Rolodex. But then Jesus says, okay, I need you to do something for me. Um, I need you to forgive them even though they did you wrong. I can't do that. Because I can trust my friend, but I can't trust you. You're perfect, and my friend is imperfect. And I'll trust their counsel. And they told me if I was you, I wouldn't forgive them. This, this is a hard month, isn't it? This is a hard month. This, you're going to be all right, but you can take it. So navies, these are Navy SEALs up in this piece, not, not goldfish. <laughs> Y'all, heaven is a very clean place. It's not one speck of dust. And the Bible says in that place, there is no darkness at all in any single area. There have been reasons, there have been things the Lord, has, this is a different, if you're a first time visitor, I'm usually acting crazy by now, but it's going to be all right. It's not over, yo. It's just weird, some of the stuff the Lord has been talking to me about here lately. I'm like, why are you talking to me about that? I didn't ask you no questions about that. I mean, just pop up, I mean, they'll just say, when you get to heaven, there will be no remembrance of former things. Okay. Why are you telling me that? I don't know if he, and, and everything that he's talking to me about that I don't ask him about all seems to be about the afterlife. So it seems like the Lord is trying to say, y'all need to get prepared for this afterlife. You know, and, and see, I said something, I think, at the other location, and people think we're a little bothered by it when I told them, pray for your family members. Because when you get to heaven, those that don't make it, you will never remember them. You want to know one of the reasons why? You'll never remember them? Thank you. Kim brought it up. She says, because if you could remember them, it would bring sorrow. And in heaven, there is no sorrow. And in order for you to not experience anything from the past that was negative, we got to do a mind wipe on you. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he will come, he will do three things. I mean, oh, God does everything in threes. He will do three things. Number one, he will reprove the world of sin, then of righteousness, and then of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. So he's going to try to get you to repent. And then if he can get you to repent, you become righteous because I go to my father and you'll see me no more. And then once you become righteous, everything Satan did in your life has to be judged. So of sin, because they believe not on me, of righteousness, because I go to my father and you'll see me no more, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. So one of the main reasons that Satan will try to always get you to sin is so that he can't be judged. 
We're not talking about a judgment where he's standing over the throne. I'm talking about, they can throw up this graphic. First is conviction of sin. When you are convicted of sin, you then say, mm, I repent. Repent does not mean I'm sorry, Lord, and I'm going to continue doing this. Amen. Repent doesn't even mean pray. Repent means change your mind. It means you're, <laughs> you know, if you're like me and you didn't go down high in math, you say stuff like, you know, you're going in one direction and you do a total 360. <laughs> so 180. 360 is a full circle. 180 is a half circle. So repent means I was headed east and the Lord said, wrong way. Okay, I'm going to turn around and head west. Not wrong way. I know you told me that this is the right way, but I really like this way because the flowers and the beads and the birds and the animals and the trees and the flowers are so wonderful on this way. And so I just want you to bless me on this way. And, and, and then get mad at God when he, he said, you know, I understand that the trees and the flowers and the bees and the birds and all the animals were wonderful, but that was a dead end. See, the right road always seems wrong at first. But then as you move forward, you thank God that you obeyed him stand on that road. The wrong road will always give you what you think you want in the beginning. And then the more you drive, mm, I drove 300 miles in the wrong direction. And then Satan says, mm-hmm, and you're an idiot if you think God is going to forgive you. Let me tell you something. I love this example that the Holy Spirit gave me about the GPS. If some of you heard it before, but I'm going to just say it again quickly. How many know if, if we need to go, what's a restaurant downtown everybody likes to eat at? Um, Papa Do's. That was right on my mind. Thank you. She was in the spirit. She picked up the frequency. Papa Do's. And this is a very facetious and dumb, exaggerated example. But if you put in your GPS, send me the Papa Do's, how many know it's going to say calculate and it's going to tell you which move to make first? And in and, and Atlanta, I got the revelation of GPS because I told them to send me home a couple of times and I swore that y'all wasn't going to see me again. I'm up in somebody's neighborhood. I don't belong right here. And GPS says, we're telling you, don't be moved by what you see. Just follow the directions. Okay. But let's say that you, how many know that for, for many GPSs are different now, but for many GPSs, if you, if you make a wrong turn, what does it do? Recalculate. It doesn't get mad at you because you made a wrong turn. It just says, look, you made a wrong turn. So, so we're going to show you how to get back on track. And, and, and it'll keep doing that. And many GPS are programmed that if you just keep disregarding it, it'll shut off on you. And that's what heaven will do. They're like, we've been telling you long enough, but it's obvious you want to go this way. So we'll just stop talking and let you get to the end of your road. How many know that if you put in to drive to Papados? And you kept ignoring it, and you drive all the way to California. You done went so far out the will of God, it is retarded. <laughs> and you get to the end of that road. Why? Because you didn't want to follow the GPS to give you simple instructions to what you wanted. Because you don't like driving on the freeway, and it told you to get on the freeway. And I don't like driving on the freeway, so I'm going to go another route. And you drive all the way to California. And then when you get to California and you didn't realize it's a dead end, I'm not at Papados. And that's when the devil gets in the car next to you and say, you do realize that God does not want to have anything to do with you now. Yes, yes, yes. And what's very interesting is if you drive all the way to California over a four-day period, 
And the GPS was quiet. And it's trying to figure out why is this fool driving for four days on this way? Come on. And what's very interesting is if you hit if you hit that button again, the GPS will not say, "Well, we're not going to recalculate right now because we we want you to sit here and suffer for a while." And think about how stupid it was for you to disobey us for all of this time. And, and you need to sit on the side of the road and just watch other cars go by. So you can, so you can feel bad. And you can feel depressed about how far you got off track. The GPS doesn't say that. What does it say? Recalculate. Now you're going to be on the road for a while, but recalculate. And we can get you back to that destination really, really fast if you do the opposite of what you did last time. As Oedipo says, following your own way got you into the ditch. Therefore, following your own way will not get you out. Amen. Next graphic. So the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. And with conviction, that will turn into repentance. You go in the opposite direction. And as a result of that, you are now righteous. And because you are now righteous, you now have a right to restoration. And in order for you to be restored, then heaven has to begin to judge what Satan was doing in your life while you were living in sin. So once you start living right, sickness and disease must be judged. Once you start living right, poverty must be judged. Once you start living right, depression and fear must be judged. Everything that Satan, that's why the Bible says God will restore the years that the canker worm, he calls Satan a worm. I'll restore the years that Satan been eating on your plants all of this time. But once you turn righteous, I'm going to turn that around and restore. Amen. So now I understand why Satan tries to pull you into sin so that he can get God's heat off his back. So you have conviction of sin. Now you're righteous. Convict. Forgive me, Lord. I make you righteous. First down one nine. I will forgive you and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, what are you left with? Righteousness. I'll add this for a second because I'm good. It's very important for you to realize this one thing. Now, this is not a license to sin because the Bible says, don't be fooled. God is not mocked. He is not crazy. He knows the difference between you taking advantage of him versus you actually fell into something. And if you fell in, jump out. Same way that you fell into that cold water at the swimming pool. Okay. Before you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it did not matter how many times you came to church. I don't care how much money you gave, and I don't care how many prayers you prayed. You can be. You ever met a, you ever met a, a heathen Christian and a wonderful sinner? That's terrible, isn't it? I know. What kid in Hagen was getting ready to vote for somebody for office, and all the Spirit told him to vote for the sinner because he got more integrity than the Christian. Okay. But anyway, that's another story. Okay. So, so when you, before you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it didn't matter that you helped the poor. Nice. That didn't make you righteous. It just made you a sinner that did nice things. So when you give your life to Christ, the Bible says you become righteous. So if when you were a sinner, just because you did nice things, that didn't make you righteous. When you become righteous, just because you did something wrong, did something wrong, that doesn't make you a sinner. Y'all see the point? But, but you're so programmed to be a sinner that when you become righteous and you become a Christian, the moment you do something wrong, you say, man, I'm just this old, toe-up sinner. Wrong. Quit saying that about yourself. Understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Psalm 103.2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. There it is again. 
Once he forgives you of all your iniquities, everything negative in your life has to be judged. Who then heals you of your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? That's the restoration. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. But then here comes Satan. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. So you see the three stages there again. Sin, <laughs> restoration, which is because of righteousness, and then judgment. So the main reason why Satan will always try to pull you into sin is because he knows that uh, when you do that, God just goes on pause. And you now it's a deeper point because, you know, the Bible says in Revelation that Satan accuses you before God day and night. So the moment you start doing something wrong, God now has to watch you get out the will of God. Stop going down the road of blessing. And now he got to hear Satan running his mouth in heaven all day long. You know, your boy down there, Otha, he's acting a fool, which means that he stepped outside of your covering, which means you need to let us take him out. That's how that goes. One of the things about heaven is the biggest courtroom you ever see. Hundreds of thousands. Actually, that's a very understatement. Hundreds of millions of invisible dark creatures who stand before the throne with petitions. This is all over the Bible. That's one thing about religion. It tricks you out of what's really going on. But the Bible makes that clear. And so much that when Satan is finally cast down, an angel shouts, finally this fool is cast down because the accuser of our brethren accused them before God day and night. Now, why would they be up there day and night accusing you before God if God wasn't going to do nothing about it? The only reason they're doing that is because they know they can get God to move his hand because you can get over in the sin. And it, like I said, that one minister, he was appalled when, this, when that creature stood before that angel. He said, I got a legal right to possess the child because of what the parents are doing. Now, num well, at least my, this is not true. My experience, everyone has different experiences. Sometimes the Lord sends certain ones certain ways. My experience with casting out demons is one of the biggest things that they are angry and violent over is they could not get to the children of the woman that weren't even born yet. And some of them actually told us, oh, we were going to use her son. And, they, and, and, it's, and many times it's a son. They will tell us we were waiting on her to have a son so that we could possess the son to carry on this family curse that's been there for 12 generations. Bringing up people from, from 500 years ago that committed a sin. Because the Bible says that the, the sins of your forefathers will go to the third and fourth generation. But here's the key part of those that hate me. He didn't say that the see people keep misquoting the Bible. Okay, He didn't say that the sins of your fathers go to the third and fourth generation. Go back and read it. He said it goes to the third and fourth generation of those that hate me. That's why the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a what? New. So what my great, 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 great grandfather did does not apply to me because I'm not the same individual in the same family tree. But here's the problem. Satan is both legal and illegal. He will use legalities against you. In other words, um, because you fall into sin and you're living a particular way or even saying things about you, he then has a legal right to come into your life and steal, kill and destroy. But then there's the other side, which is he's a criminal. And he will bring things against you that are illegal. And so he'll bring something into your life and he'll stay there only because you didn't 
exercise your legal rights and put him in check. So he will put sickness on you. And you're like, why am I sick? Because the fool is illegal. And you got to stand in your righteousness and say, man, let me tell you something. See, some of y'all be praying, oh, Lord, heal me, not me. I don't be saying all of that stuff. I go around talking. How can I be sick if I'm one with Christ? That's how I talk to myself. I'm trying to understand why this thing is on me when I'm on the inside of the one that died for me. So if Christ is not sick, how can I be sick? First John 417. If, if Jesus, if I am in earth as Jesus is in heaven, then how am I supposed to be sick? And so you got to talk yourself. Let me tell you something. I've dealt with a pain for a long time. I'll never forget this. Right down here in this area, it was just aching. See, we talk, see one of the things that the Lord told me during this time of holiness, he said, you need to tell those that are living right to start asking me for more stuff because they think too low. He said, y'all don't talk enough. You talk too much. Of the, you, you assume that because you got a job, you're supposed to pay for it. The Lord said, for those that are living right, you need to start asking and asking big. And I had this pain. You only ask based on what you think he can do. And if you don't think much of what he can do, then you ain't going to ask much. And if you don't think much of yourself, you ain't going to ask big. <laughs> we need to stick with the pain. And this pain on my leg, and it was just throbbing. Kind of felt like, uh, like a, I guess it's what maybe arthritis pain feels like it's like a, just this I can't, it's an ache it was an ache and I just tolerated that thing tolerated that thing tolerated that thing and I don't even know why I did this one day I just got mad and this is exactly what I did I said in the name of Jesus get off of me and I literally felt an animal jump off my leg and the pain hasn't been there since you know why it was an invisible creature that attached itself to me illegally but because I didn't say nothing, he didn't do nothing. And it's a lot of things that you deal with that you call life. Yeah, that's natural life for human beings. And when you give your life to Christ, you are no longer human. And that's the biggest thing that religion won't accept, what Jesus said. Did not I say you are gods? They won't accept that. Because it's outside of their religious tolerance. They like to put God in a box. And, 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 and this is the circumference which with I will put God in. And this is what I think God will do. And if he does anything outside of this little small square, it can't be God. He would never do anything like that. Like you, his next door neighbor, and been living with him for the last 300 years, watching him cut his grass. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible says, God said, if I was hungry and in need, I wouldn't ask you nothing. Love that scripture. All right. Last one. Y'all ready? This is just like some nice talking. Just to kind of give y'all some. I mean, it's really, it's just simple. If you love me, do what I say. And, and it's just hard. It's hard for some of us to be humble. So one of the things that I'm realizing more and more pretty much got every question ever I, I have just about every question answered except for just one or two and just I, you know just interesting how we grow up you know and the different and how your parents end up affecting how you think and, and I, I, this is not a doctorate it seems as though 
this is not the will of the Lord. But it seems as though God will allow you to be born to broken people. A lot of times you don't have a choice in the matter. You know, I ask myself this all the time. Why was I born to who I was born with? I mean, I, when I, you know, me, I'm just, I, it, it just makes no, I mean, why? Why me? Why did I? And someone else could ask that in a negative. I ask that in the positive. You know, why is it that, you know, I went down this particular line? Why was I born to those set of Christian parents and never saw anything negative growing up? Nothing. Why is it that I took that particular path? And why is it that I find myself in one of the greatest countries in the right, quote unquote, religion, pastoring this church that is above most? Why? I can't understand why. But what it does seem is though those that are coming from broken backgrounds and different things, I can't understand it. It's like the Lord, he just allows it. And then when you get around 30, 40, no matter how you tore your life up, it's like he then says, okay, now it's time to reverse this. It just seems like that. It just seems like that. You know, I do know that 40 is the number of probation. And I do know that 30, the significance in regards to you see a lot of people start changing around the 30s and 35. You know, Jesus came forth at that. And I don't know. But let's just read this because now I'm just out here. I'm, I'm up in the pulpit rambling. <laughs> what I know, I know. But how many know you, you, you can't think on God's level? You can't trust him. This is very important. Two lessons here. Second Kings chapter 20. We're going to go all the way from verse 1 to verse 21. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. It's the last one. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order because you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Now, this is what I want my testimony to be. Remember, O oh Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, which means I didn't put nothing above you, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had even left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. All right, I'm sorry. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer, seen your tears. I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's servant spread the ointment over the boil and Hezekiah recovered. Now, as a side note, this is the reason why. See, there are some things that will simply get the job done, but it won't because you ain't right. When you write with God, the simplest of things work miracles. What verse I'm in. Meanwhile, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what sign will the Lord give to prove to me that he will heal me and I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now? Isaiah replied, this is the sign from the Lord to prove that he will do as he promised. Would you like the, a choice? Would you like the sundial or the shadow of the sundial to go forward 10 steps or backwards? The shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied, so that would be easy. 
make it go 10 steps backward instead. So Isaiah the prophet asked the Lord to do this, and he caused the shadow to move 10 steps backward on the sundial of Ahaz. Some powerful stuff, isn't it? The first lesson here is, because we're about to read the second one, the rest of it. The first lesson is, this is the type of demands you can make when you live right. When you actually live right. I mean, I want to be able to, I don't need to turn on a wall. I want to be able to say to the Lord, I need to be able to tell Jesus when I stand before him, you know I did the right thing. Now, you know I live right. You know I never put anything above you. You know I ordered my household after you. I didn't make no excuses. I didn't come up with no rhyme, no reasons, no poems, no nothing. You know I live for you. See, when you when you live in that way, you can make God do some things that maybe he didn't want to do. Basically, Hezekiah said, hey, man, what's wrong? Literally, Hezekiah said, what's wrong with you that you would do something like this to a man of my character? See, in many ways, Hezekiah was saying, Lord, you just pronounced something on me that's illegal. If he hadn't opened up his mouth, he'd be dead. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so, so this man, not only did he turn his life around, but he turned around the life of the whole nation because his righteousness ended up covering up. Man, I'm trying to get you to understand that your holiness ain't just about you. This man's living right saved the whole nation. Y'all know what I'm saying. But let's look at the other story. I never saw this really before. You can read it, but not see it. Everybody say soon. Soon after this, Merodach Baladon, son of Baladon, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick. Hezekiah received the Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. This is a no-no for a king. He also took them to see his armory and showed them everything in his royal treasuries. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Now, Babylon always represents the world, by the way. And these were folk from the worldly system. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked him, uh, what did those men want? Where they come from? Hezekiah replied, well, they came from a distant land. So these are not your friends. A distant land of Babylon. Oh, what did they see in your palace, Isaiah asked. Everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own. All my royal treasuries. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, listen to this message from the Lord. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now, will be carried off to Babylon. Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your very own sons will be taken away into exile. They will become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of the Babylon's king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, this message you have given me from the Lord is good. Only reason he said that because the king was thinking, well, at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. That's messed up. Here's the lesson. There is a danger also to living holy. The danger is, is that when you live clean and you live right, God will do some things for you to cause you to be arrogant and let your guard down. 
because every king knows that the last thing that you do is show everything to a foreign country. You don't even do that unless it's your close friends that you are in covenant with. If you are in covenant with another king, a covenant and a contract has been created that you are in league with one another, like the United States and Israel. But this says, Mary said that they came from far away. We don't know these fools. And Babylon always represents the world. So, so, so what happened is, is that because of his righteousness, there can be an arrogance because he just put God in check and made him change his mind. So maybe you think that you're on a level that you're not and you're above reproach. And because of what God just did for you, it makes it seems like you are his personal pet and he'll do anything for you. So as a result of that, I'm going to let my guard down a little bit and let a little bit of the world come into my life. And I know this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, but God is good to me and he'll do anything for me. After all, look at what he just did. He told me I was going to die. And when I turned my face to the wall and told God, how are you going to let this happen to me? God came back and apologized to me and gave me 15 years and allowed me to save this whole nation. And as a result of that, man, I must be on some type of level or watch this. I just appreciate how good God has been to me. I'm just so happy that I'm going to let my guard down. And some strangers show up. We heard you were sick. That's why you had to be careful. Satan comes immediately to steal. Immediately to steal. We heard you were sick. And you so happy about being healed, you let your guard down. Yeah, I was sick. Who are y'all? Well, we come from a far country. And we just came to be a blessing to you. And, and you so happy. Now you done took these people up into your entire kingdom and showed them all your weapons of war, all your gold, all your silver, all your treasuries, all your everything. And didn't realize it was a trick. And they were going to come back. Because he said, I showed them everything. That's one thing the dark side knows about you is everything. So it shows you just how quick you can be right and how quick you can be wrong. And I'll share this one story with you to help you understand. I'm getting ahead of myself, but the book is so powerful, it doesn't matter. Um, it was, Rick Joyner was in a vision. And long story short, there was a battle between the, the knights of the kingdom of God and the enemy horde, these evil beings. And it was a war. And there was much battling, and they finally won the war. And they were rejoicing in everything. And he was looking, and he was like, whoa, Lord, it's over. And the Lord said, wait, just watch. So he watched carefully. And so he looked over there. He said he saw something moving in the shadows. He said, what's that? He said, oh. He said, that's the enemy that comes in through pride. That always comes after a great victory. Because you let your guard down. And get attacked from behind. How many of you know? How many of you know? You were sweating when you thought the lights were going to be cut off. But the moment you got that bill paid, man, you went and got something to eat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you were fighting the devil before. I mean, you was sending prayers up, down, all around. You was rebuking the devil, rebuking the angels for taking so long. What's up, God? I'm your covenant child. You was praying. You were praising, listening to gospel music. You weren't even listening. Well, you couldn't watch the TV because the electricity was off in the first place. You were doing all of that stuff. And then as soon as Sister Susie Q said, 
Girl, I was praying, and the Lord told me to bless you with $350. What'd you do? <sighs> and you really didn't even give God thanks. What'd you do? Turn that electricity on and then binge watch Netflix for the next three hours. Y'all can sit up here and pretend all you want to in this Catholic, Presbyterian, Buddhist, Muslim temple where they want to be all quiet and everything. There is a war behind your righteousness. There are beings that try to constantly get your attention. You have to be careful, gentlemen and women nowadays, but gentlemen, you'll be minding your own business just watching the show. And you had no intention on seeing anything. And all of a sudden, you'll see this gorgeous woman half naked. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, thoughts have entered into your mind. It's just all around. They are, you, I'm trying to get you to understand the mentality of an individual that where you walk, they walk. When you drive, they in the car with you. When you're on no job, they sitting over by the wall taking notes. Watching. Watching. That individual will be an expert about you more than you would be about yourself. That expert would know how many breaths you take in a matter of five minutes. They would be able to record your... These things are very intelligent. The Bible calls them familiar spirits. And it is their job to do one thing. Steal, kill, and destroy your destiny. If we can't kill you, we sure enough are going to try to destroy you. We're going to try to do something. Even if it just means that we can just get you sad for a moment. Anything. Because we, because, because we understand that, that for some of y'all, if we can get you sad, sad for you means going into sin. For some of you, we understand that, that if you get into it with somebody at work, that means going into sin. For you, you're afraid, so you're going to sin. So all type of things. We care. Well, I didn't do this, but a friend of mine, he cast a demon out of a person, and the creature identified himself as the one who uses people to keep their environment nasty. The demon told him, he said, we understand that God created you to not even see a speck of dust. So when you are constantly looking at things unclean, we know it affects your psyche. I'll prove it to you. Nobody goes on vacation and goes into a hotel room and everything is not perfect and you don't say something. Nobody goes into a hotel. You're designed that way, but for some reason you can't do that at home. Because you don't know how much you're being influenced in your own household. To mess with yourself. I'm just, I'm just keeping real stuff. I got to go home and clean up my house myself. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But, but, but you go, when you go on vacation, you don't walk into a hotel room and the bed covers are already pulled back, not made. You making a phone call. Excuse me, did y'all send me to the right room? That's just over the bed covers. Let it be some roses in there and they're wilted. Let it be a glass in there that look like it got some lipstick. You already, rec- if you're like my wife, I want another hotel. I don't even want this room. <laughs> Mom, don't play that. Paying money for this and you going to sit. You know what I'm saying? Let your food not come right. Like in the restaurant. You understand what I'm saying? You, you're designed to only see clean. That's why I, I know this is going to be convicting. But y'all, I tell parents, learn how to keep your mirrors clean at home. If not, you will program your children to always see dirt. And they will learn to. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? It says that Jesus' diet was tailor-made so that he would know how to pick the holy from the profane. It says that right in scripture. So even what Jesus ate, it was wiring his mind to reject this and accept that. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So the point
point that I'm making with all of that, it was just a nice little talk. I feel fine this morning. Normally I'm tired and stuff, but I feel fine. I was all that praying, I guess. Is that there's a war over you. The war is over your holiness. Because they they understand. They understand you all. See, they understand that if all you do is live clean and all you did for the next 10 years was stand as an usher at the door, you think you're just an usher. Wrong. You living clean and standing there creates reinforcements because of what's coming out of you. When you are clean, you become a portal from heaven. When you are unclean, you become a portal for hell. And that's what I got to tell people. I mean, it's, and it's so much that we don't understand about the invisible realm. So much. Okay. Y'all, how, I said I was supposed to be done, so I'm down now. I say 29. How many of you remember that story of the prophet that came to the king and he took, he didn't tell him the ramifications. He said, take this and strike the ground. And it said the king took it and he struck the ground three times. Boom, boom, boom. And then he stopped. And the prophet got angry at him. He said, you fool, why did you stop it three times? He said, because you stopped three times, the Lord is only going to rescue you three times. You should have kept on going until I told you to stop. You know what that's just saying? Go all the way with God. Quit trying to do the minimum all the time. No such thing. You know, people say, you're so earthly minded, you know, uh, you're so heavenly minded, you know, earthly good. No, that's what heathens say. That's what folk that's disconnected say. That's what folk who don't know nothing about prayer don't spend time in the word and is trying to have step and get rewarded like they full step and say. That's what them folks say. You never find a prayer word that says that's too much. You never find somebody that spends a lot of time in the word saying that's too much. You never find someone that is totally dedicated to God that says you go to church too much. It's always folk that's half stepping and say that. Because your full stepping convicts them of their half stepping. If they're half, if they're stepping at all. And, and in order to get rid of that conviction, then they need to get you to stop doing what you're doing so I can feel better. I don't need any representations and examples of that there are actually people out there that's living for Christ like that. I need to make it seem like nobody can do this thing, then it makes me feel more comfortable. And so I gotta tear you down and try to pull you into stuff. I've had people offer me money just to just to cuss. And see, you know what? There will be, so let me tell you something. People, people actually say that when I think this, that I would break. If somebody offered me $1 million to say one cuss word, I would laugh in their face. You're like, dude, take the money. See, that's your problem. You have no integrity. You have no honor because you put money above God. I know that when I laugh at the person and won't take the million dollars just to say one cuss word, you are going to be blown away when you see what's stacked up in me. See, I ain't thinking about 70 years. I'm thinking about forever. Man, you you, you can't pay me to sin. You can offer me to have the planet. We'll give you a... a What you give me is trash compared to what I'm going to have for eternity. But there are some people, they live this life as though it's eternity. And you keep telling them about eternity, they ain't going to listen. And they're going to stand before the Lord and think he's going to change his mind. What, what is that big thing over there? That was your house. But we gave it to Sister Felicia. Don't you remember what the word says? Be careful that your reward is not given to another. Because we're going to give it to somebody. Because all we got up here is stuff to give away. And we're going to give it away all. So, so don't let me get your reward. And I hope to God y'all don't get mine. I'm trying to be selfish. 
go up there and Terry living in my house. Just could have been me. Could have been me. No, it's not gonna happen. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Again, like I put them on social media, God has called you to live and vomit and still stay clean. The only thing God says about turning back to sin is it's like a dog throwing up, turning back, and then eating again. And God says, when you turn back to your sin, how many of you know, if you saw a dog, dog throw up and then sit there and eat it, you could not stomach that. You'd be like, you kick the dog in the face or something. Stop! You have to walk away. But when you turn back to sin, that's how it looks in the eyes of God. So when the Bible says God can't look at sin, that's because you're doing that. King. It's nasty. Oh, that's nasty. Hey. You want to be powerful? Live clean. One of the prophecies about this ministry is that it's arrogant, not in a bad way. It was meant to be positive. That's arrogant. You know why it's arrogant? Because when you're clean, when you're living clean, you can threat Satan's life. You understand what I'm saying? That's a very powerful place to be in where you know Satan has nothing on you. In order to rescue this, we about to, let me tell you something, we are getting ready to build an empire. Right at Satan's business desk. What you gonna do, fool? Ain't nothing worse than somebody smacking you and telling you you ain't gonna do nothing. Smacking this fool every day, you ain't gonna do a thing. God is gonna set a table before us right in the midst of our enemies. But y'all, we got to move because now there are people that if you do it right, they want the Lord. And some of them are so hardened, it's going to pull everything out of you to say these people. I'm telling you, it's going to pull everything because there have been a couple of cases where I threw, if I throw up my hands up, you have acted a fool. And I have thrown my hands up a couple of times when it comes to people that, you know, just, you know, newer people, you know what I'm saying? Nobody in here, but just newer people, you just, they are so in the darkness they ain't got a concept of light. Not a concept. And you got to be careful because you didn't have a concept of light one time. And you way up here. And when you way up here, some folk down here, they're going to frustrate you. And you just got to just do your best. If you can exercise patience, you got to do the best that you can to pull these people up. Because that time clock is running down to zero, folk. And when that sucker ends, it's over. And, I'm, and so this second win, this second half, I don't know why the Lord keeps time. I can't explain what I feel. It's like the it's like a rocket ship that just started. You know, I can't explain it. I mean, I today I was praying. I was on that prayer call. They've been praying. I don't know how long they've been praying on that prayer call. Okay, every time I got on, they were praying. And I and also I did like three, four hours. I'm thinking two, three hours of prayer today. And I'm praying, and the Lord is showing me the showing me what the church looks like. And you know, I, I promise you, this is my last point. We are so used to the Lord warning us about stuff. We're so used to the Lord chastising us about stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so it's an uncomfortable feeling when the Lord is telling you that you're unbreakable. That's very uncomfortable. I mean, it's just I'm not used to that. I'm not used to the Lord telling you, I'm getting ready to let you know you're about to mow Satan down. You're sort of like, what does that even mean? What does it even look like? Because I've never seen. Well, that's not true. Never mind. Let's go ahead and quit right now. I have seen that. 